Hi, everybody. I'm George, and this is The Best Little Horror House in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest, at least. And this week's guest is a very funny comedian who you might have seen performing in Sopranos the Musical. He's the king of the Blu-rays, according to former guest Joe Rumrill. Please welcome Nick Nanny. Hey, hey, how's it going? Hi. The uh, uproarious to... applause. Yes. <laughs> Hello from Blu-ray Kingdom. <laughs> <laughs> We had to pay tribute to the king, of course. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little bit about your history with horror? I don't think I would necessarily consider myself a horror fan, necessarily. Like, I, I, I mean, there, there are lots of horror movies that I love, and I'm a fan of the genre. But I do, I am obsessed with movies in general of all kinds. Yeah. And what I've noticed throughout the years is that Horror seems to be the most celebrated among movie fans. You get the most like outspoken, the most uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? The most like I don't want to say eccentric, but maybe just <laughs> <laughs> they have their but passion. I mean, I, they I really, agree. yeah, it's it, a lot. I think it's interesting, especially because for me, I came to horror pretty late. Oh yeah. And it was part of me being like, I like all the other genres. It feels mm-hmm. insane for me to like try and do any kind of actual criticism without being able to experience an entire genre. Yeah. And so I like forced myself to get into horror. Mm-hmm. But people who've had horror their whole lives, I feel like do kind of latch onto it in a way where it sort of eclipses a lot of the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So I feel like as a young film nerd, I would go to horror movie conventions and because those were the only like movie conventions that you could really go to. Right. <laughs> you know, so and, and there would be a lot of stuff for all sorts of genre stuff. And of course, I love it. But I think I I've always been a casual fan of horror. I'll say that there's a lot of ones in the genre that have freaked me out as a kid and very few these days that freak me out as an adult, but it's always <laughs> nice when they do, you know, it's always a, a great, uh, but I, th- I think personally, I'm more of a fan of the fun ones, the ones sure. that, you know, like, like not unlike the one today. So, yeah. Do you have a favorite subgenre? Something that gets you more excited about a horror movie that's coming out? Hmm. Well, I can say for sure that my least favorite subgenre is satanic possession. <laughs> I think I can't I can't believe that that is like such a huge subgenre right now. And it yeah. feels like every it feels like every couple of months there's a trailer with some woman whose <laughs> whose bones are bending and it's supposed to be the fucking scariest thing that mm-hmm. you've ever seen. I hate that. <laughs> I guess I'm kind of a I'm a fan of this uh, you know, roll your eyes, please. Elevated horror subgenre <laughs> that's happening right now. The A24 neon sure. type of shit. You know, I, I think uh, I, I mean, I'm definitely interested in watching. I, I'm almost always like going to see all those when they come out. So hell yeah. Yeah. Well, today, today's movie gets about as far away from the A24 yeah. style <laughs> as it could possibly get. <laughs> We're talking about Tales from the Crypt Presents Demon Knight. Oh, yeah. Woo, finally. Yeah. Are you generally a fan of Tales from the Crypt? You know, I I think I've seen maybe a total of like five episodes as a kid. Mm-hmm. I really want to rewatch it. I'm curious. It's kind of hard to find now. It's very hard to find. Yeah. yeah I, I was like looking for it online and I couldn't. You can't even rent it anywhere. Or, right. Yeah, it's nuts. So, I, but I, I feel like as a kid. The freakiest thing was always the Crypt Keeper himself was always just, you know, it's so funny because I feel like in my childhood, so many of like the the scary figures were people that would crack jokes, you mm-hmm. know? Sure. <laughs> yeah. Freddy, Chucky, Crypt Keeper. Yeah. yeah. Hitting it. I, I agree. My I've I've mentioned this before briefly, but my dad had like a mask from the tales from the crypt show in the 90s. Oh, no. <laughs> and so I had this real like attraction revulsion thing going mm-hmm. on with it where I would like constantly take it and play with it and then like scare wind up scaring myself. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But John Casey really knocks it out of the park. He's he's uh, great in that role. He's so great. Yeah. And also that that house mm. that, that house in the opening and the closing of the show where 
you know, I mean, it's in this movie too, but just it's Amazing such stuff. a yeah, it's really incredible, really, really good stuff there. Did you watch the show? Yeah, so I didn't watch it that much as a kid because, like mm-hmm. I said, I was pretty scared uh, as a child. But yeah, since then I have watched almost the entire run. I still have uh, some of the like sixth and seventh seasons to go, mm-hmm. I think. But uh, but I've seen a big chunk of it, and certainly there are some that are better than others. But yeah, uh, but you know, by and large, it's 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 like a fun. I feel like they just don't make shows like this that much anymore, where you're like allowed to have some like filler ones that are just kind of like really hey, i'm having don't. a good time <laughs> yeah god i it's so it's so funny too because uh this is kind of a weird story but a few years ago i was in la and i was kind of pitching a tv show and i met with like this netflix guy and the night before like i popped on demon night like just to relax sure and the and me and this guy this Netflix guy were like making small talk and and I told him that I watched I was like oh man I you know what I rewatched last night I rewatched Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight he's like and he's like what is that and I'm like well you know uh, you know Tales from the Crypt and he's like no <laughs> oh, and I was like what are you talking you work for Netflix what the <laughs> fuck are you and then like I mean of course it's obvious that like you know a lot of these you know these people that work in TV they don't actually like watch TV or anything or have, right. but it's just it's so crazy that somebody my age it was ignorant of tales from the crypt growing up you yeah. know it feels but, like you'd get it just from osmosis at some point yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah the crypt keeper you know he was a fucking 90s sex symbol basically you know so absolutely absolutely yeah this didn't start as a Tales from the Crypt movie, though. Right. Ethan Reif, Cyrus Voris, and Mark Bishop wrote the first screenplay on spec in 1987, mm-hmm. two years before the show even started. Wow. Yeah. And it had quite a while to go until uh, until it landed in its final placement here. You know, the right. first first alternate take was Tom Holland wanted to follow up Child's Play with Chris Sarandon as the collector and Tommy Lee Jones as Breaker. Oh, wow. Ooh. That would have been interesting. Although yeah. I feel like Chris Sarandon would, I don't know if he could have done what Billy Zane did with that role. That was, yeah. I mean, that was incredible. It's true. You know, Chris Sarandon is a lot, you know, a lot more like stern than, than yeah. Billy Zane is. But Tom, uh, Tommy Lee Jones, I think, is kind of an interesting choice there, especially around like yeah. the natural born killers time where he like had a little right. bit of goofiness to him. Who knows? Yeah. Wait, was he in Natural Born Killers? Yeah, he's the warden. Oh, God. It's been so long since I've seen that. But yeah, I guess also that would be kind of around under siege times when, yeah, so he, he's like fully exploring his craziness. <laughs> but this would this be was kind sanctioned of, buffoonery. Yeah, <laughs> but I would like to see him in the collector role, honestly. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that would be interesting. Yeah. The next attempt was, or the next real attempt, because it kind of sat with mm-hmm. uh, the guy who wrote Pumpkinhead for a little bit. But next, Mary Lambert took a crack at it. Mm. She wanted to make Edward Furlong Uncle Willie. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> what? <laughs> that would have been something. What? <laughs> and then the this is the the casting I really like is uh, uh, Willem Dafoe as the collector. Oh yeah, for sure. He already looks like a demon, you know, so, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the the real big change that she wanted to make to the story was that she wanted to make the demon knights all enslaved people, sort of the most oppressed among you will deliver salvation kind of thing. But Mm. then Pet Cemetery 2 was a huge flop, and so she went to director jail, basically. Oh, wait, did she did she ever come out of? No, I'm thinking of Mary Heron. Because she, Mary right. Heron did American Psycho, but she, right. did Mary Lambert do anything else after that? Or I don't think she did a ton else after that, but she definitely has done some stuff. I know that she's like on Twitter being like, I want to do another horror movie. Somebody oh, man. Please pay me to do this. So, I guess they, yeah. Twitter is modern director jail, I guess. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The the goal is to end up so busy that you don't have time for Twitter. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You let me know how you get there. Please. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Charles Band then wanted to take a crack at it, but there was financial stuff always happening at Full Moon. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, that held it up, and eventually it wound up with Joel Silver, 
who just so happened to be looking for a third script to round out a package of Tales from the Crypt movies, since Tarantino wanted, in their opinion, too much money for From Dusk Till Dawn. Right, yeah. Now that, I don't know how that would, uh, From Dusk Till Dawn as like a, a Tales from the Crypt movie, that feels like that couldn't really be contained within that world, yeah. or it would have been like a very stripped down version of that. Yeah, yeah, Robert Rodriguez feels like he really had to kind of have his little outsider <laughs> outsider yeah. filmmaking stuff happening, you know, mm-hmm. get like Savini and all them involved. I, I, I don't know if that happens in the studio environment that would have uh, been Tales from the Crypt. So. Yeah. And then finally, the script got in the hands of the Crypt Keeper who got to direct it. Right. You know, because exactly. within the reality of the movie, he directed it. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. He has his big screamier. <laughs> Gil Adler, though, was not only a producer for this movie, but he had worked on the show. And so he said, Tales as a television series had been very successful, and we knew we wanted to do something in long form, but while being respectful to the foundation that the series had laid. We had a lot of conversations with Universal over several months before we were able to find a script that we knew we could adapt for the Tales in the Crypt format. I believe the original script had been over at Joel's for some time, and it had the special kind of energy and monsters that we were looking for. And I do think that this movie does feel like it fits the universe really well. You know, it has the zany off-the-wall stuff. It has monsters that are there and a little creepy, but not insanely uh, over the top or anything. Mm -hmm. It's uh, it's, It really does fit the universe in a way that uh, can't have been easy to find. Yeah, and that modern edge that I guess, you know, was kind of necessary and also fit with the TV show. Right, right. Yeah. And so Adler approached Ernest Dickerson, who was a director of photography for Spike Lee, and he had Mm -hmm. been transitioning to directing with Juice and surviving the game. But a lot of the industry saw him as a, quote, hip-hop director. So Mm -hmm. Dickerson was happy to have Demon Knight cross his desk because it was so different from everything else he was being offered, saying, quote, I've always enjoyed films that did a bit of genre blending, and I thought the story for Demon Knight did that perfectly. It was the perfect storm of horror, humor, thrills, and some mystery to it, and a lot of emotion. So I immediately knew this was going to be a very atypical horror movie to be involved with. I remember Gil came to me while I was mixing Surviving the Game, and he must have liked what he saw that day because he offered Demon Knight to me right after that initial meeting. Oh, wow. Did you see Surviving the Game? I haven't seen that. Oh, man. I I remember watching that as a kid and loving it. And I, yeah. I've been wanting to rewatch it ever since. Oh, but, I'll yeah, I, Ice-T, is, uh, he's in top form in that one. You oh, know, yeah. that's, that's some strong tea right there. <laughs> <laughs> full <Yeah>. caffeine. <laughs> yeah, full of caffeine, that boy. Yeah, they spill the tea. That They try to spill the tea in that one. They wow. can't spill the tea. Can't yeah. do it. Can't do it. <laughs> Also, on, on Ernest Dickerson, did you notice how he name drops himself in the movie? Where yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's a power move. I respect that. that. Was, yeah, that was something else. <laughs> I, you know, usually, like, they do something like that where, you know, like, they mention a, a soldier or something or, like, a, a hero or, you know, I would have expected them to be like, his name was Zemeckis or something, right. you know. But, <laughs> or but like just, the guy who started Tales from the Crypt. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, Dickerson was like, fuck that, I'm in there, baby. <laughs> yeah, pretty bold, pretty bold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Blu-ray had two commentary tracks. I, I right. listened to them both. And, and the first one is Ernest Dickerson. And he said that he watched here and there, but wasn't a regular watcher of the show, his real affiliation was to the comics, which he did use to read. Mm. And he had also been the DP for the New York crew on Tales from the Dark Side, so he sort of had an idea of how this style went. And one of the big differences from the previous attempts was that Dickerson just liked the story how it was. Like, he wasn't trying to make any huge changes, like Mary Lambert was trying to shift it and everything. So he felt like they were in a good starting position. Yeah. The Blu-ray also had a, a behind-the-scenes documentary. A lot of uh, great ba- uh, behind-the-scenes stuff. I, I watched that this morning, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's really fun. And it was funny to me when the writers were talking about like dragging their heels a bit at first. And they were like, oh, it's a hero story, not a monster story. Mm. And they kept trying to restructure it. And finally, the Tales guys were like, all right, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's nice that they were able to laugh about that, you know? <laughs> That's awesome. They assembled, though, an incredible ensemble here, and Adler knew that it was important that the whole cast be good. He said, quote, 
We knew we were making something very different, and we were constantly nervous about it, but we knew that at the end of the day, if the audiences cared about these characters, they were going to love everything else about the movie. And that, to me, is the biggest reason Demon Knight stands out. You cared about all these people, not just those with top billing, because we really paid attention to making sure all of these character relationships felt authentic. And I totally think that they hit the nail on the head there. They, Yeah, I mean, if there's something that really makes me keep coming back to this movie, it is like the cast and how incredible they all are and working together. And yeah, just it's so surprising how how deep that cast is like just with the talent in it it's insane it really is first first up we got william sadler as breaker he's hot off bill and ted and die hard 2 shawshank is around the corner this is like right in the the sadler sweet spot baby yeah he's uh what a face (laughs) yeah oh he does such a great job with this like aged weary defender thing Uh here and also, he was in the first episode of the TV show. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. So that's a fun nod. Wow. Next up is Billy Zane as simply the collector. Just, I mean, incredible. In my mind, seeing this movie for the first time at 10, he was like a star to me. And, you know, and then like, and then he was in Titanic, which I heard he got because of this, which I love. That's yeah. Like, <laughs> that's that's incredible. He uh, and it's it. also Yeah, no duh. But also, like, I'm so surprised that he's I mean, he's he's done well for himself, but I I wish he was like a little I, I think he should have been a little bit bigger. I uh, totally agree. I like yeah. the Phantom. I think that's a really fun. Phantom's superhero fun. Movie. Yeah, he's one of the really best parts of the second season of Twin Peaks. He's a lot mm-hmm. of fun in that. Yeah, I definitely agree. He, he should have been a little bigger. Great cameo in Zoolander. Yes. As himself. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And people loved working with Billy. Uh, Dickerson said, quote, Billy was a great ally because he was determined to make a great movie. Yeah. You That's can, what you, you want. You can feel it. You can really feel it in his performance. He's, uh, yeah. That's like a that's like a dream role of mine to do something like that, you know, sinister but cocky. It's like the kind of thing that Ryan Reynolds keeps trying to do, <laughs> but like, you know, yes. I can't, I, I don't know about you personally. For me, I'm like, Get the fuck out of yes. here. You no, know? I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. The the faux smarmy charm that he's uh, going for, it oozes effortlessly off of Billy Zane for uh, real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally literally. Yeah. <laughs> Dickerson also praised the additions that Billy brought to the collector. He said he made all the wardrobe choices for his character, including the great duster jacket, which just made him look like such a timeless villain. And mm-hmm. a lot of Billy's performance was improv, too. When you have a talent like his, though, you'd be stupid not to give him the freedom with a character. And you could tell he really loved the character of the collector, too, because he put everything he had and more into his performance. Yeah, totally. We also have Jada Pinkett Smith as Geraldine. She is badass, she's smart, and importantly, she subverts a lot of the tropes about survival in horror movies, something that Dickerson was deliberately going for, and he specifically wanted her after seeing Menace to Society. Mm-hmm. And she really brings a lot to it as well. It's important to have like an anchor against Billy Zane's character, and she does such a great job of providing that other end of the spectrum. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, I kind of want to slap Chris Rock again, you know, just for uh, <laughs> G.I. Jane 2. That's all you're going to say about. Oh, man. About yeah, what one of the greatest performances in a, in a 90s horror movie, you know? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> if only Chris Rock said, hey, Jada, you know, I love I love the hair. You kind of look like you did in Demon Knight. All would be well with the world. Everybody would have laughed. They would have said, oh, yes, Demon Knight. It would have trended on Twitter. People would have watched it. It would have been, yeah. All of a sudden, we're getting new 4K copies of of the the show and Uh, and the movie. uh, (laughs) That's the alternate timeline. (laughs) But you can also see this interest in subverting sort of expectations extend beyond Geraldine as well, with Mm -hmm. people kind of holding on longer than you'd expect or dying quicker slash at all. I think that it's a really difficult movie to predict the first time yeah. you're watching it. Yeah, totally. Also, that that deputy who he sticks around, and then, and then he, he him and CCH Pounder die heroically, which, yeah. is like, which I love that. Absolutely. Supper time, yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, we got Dick Miller as Uncle Willie. Uh, they all said it was a fanboy dream to work with Dick, who they'd all grown up seeing in the Roger Corman movies. I loved in the documentary when he was like, yeah, I signed up to do the movie before reading the script. And as it got <laughs> bigger and bigger, I was like, oh, this is a pretty good part. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I can't believe the Edward Furlong thing. That, that <laughs> that's such a bombshell. Yeah, it's um what a what a different performance it would be. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Dick Miller is a legend, though. He's so course, good in this. Yeah. He really fits it. He's seems like a real sweetie. That guy. Yeah. You also get Charles Fleischer as Wally, who mm. most people probably know as the voice of Roger Rabbit. He's also great right. in Zodiac. Yes. Yeah. He said, quote, I liked the fact that Wally had a duality, a du- duality? <laughs> to his nature, and really his only downfall was that he fell for the wrong girl. We've all been there. And then he laughed. And he said, so he's a guy I think a lot of people could relate to. It was also my first on-screen kiss, too. So that's another reason that Demon Knight holds a special place in my heart, of course. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's funny how he is kind of a sweet guy, but then you find out that he was planning on murdering people yeah. at his post office. Oh, my God. It's truly shocking when they <laughs> yeah. open up the lockers. <laughs> and what, like, a, it's such, like, a 90s thing, too, like, the, the whole going postal thing, where I feel like that was such a big joke in the nineties. And, and now I never hear anybody making jokes like that. Like there's a, there's a sight gag in naked gun three with a, <laughs> a postal worker with an AK 47. Yeah. 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 It, um, you know, it was funny in the, in the, the commentary for, uh, the, but like the secondary one, the one with like the stunt guys and the, mm-hmm. and the special effects guys, they were, they mentioned something kind of similar and then they were like, and this is in 2015. And now mm. they were like, if we were going to make a similar joke, it would be like a school. And I was like, Christ, this is like, <laughs> so glad to see things have improved. Yeah. Oh. oh God. <laughs> so that was, yeah, it is uh, interesting that going postal has kind of fallen off the, the lexicon. Mm hmm. But then, yeah, he, he also said, uh, in all seriousness, I don't I really don't remember a movie that I've worked on where we all shared that kind of chemistry on and off screen, which is why Demon Knight is still one of my favorite experiences that I've ever had as an actor, which you love to oh, hear. That's awesome. Yeah. You also have Thomas Hayden Church as Roach. Mm. He had only been in Tombstone previously, so real early for him. Mm hmm. And apparently Thomas Hayden Church hugged Dickerson every morning and would tell him that he was the best smelling guy he knew. Oh, <laughs> God. God, that. This is the kind of shit you want to hear about the makings of all your favorite movies, you know? <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Damn. <laughs> sometimes sometimes something will come up in a discussion and i'm just like that's gotta go in that's yeah gotta go um, in. yeah 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 <laughs> definitely <laughs> the cast is rounded out by cch pounder who mm. everyone was rightfully complimentary of mm. and brenda bach as cordelia both mm-hmm. excellent cc in particular is doing a lot of fun little decisions her performance yeah. like when they like have the vodka and she's like give me that uh-huh yeah <laughs> I mean, she should have been in more horror movies. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So the creatures were the one thing that did kind of go through a lot of changes. Todd mm-hmm. Masters, the special effects guy, budgeted out the demons. And then the studio was like, uh, okay, please hold. And then they came back with another version of the script where the demons kept their human form, but wore sunglasses and suits that covered their fire eyes. And mm-hmm. Masters was like, you can't not deliver demons in a movie named Demon Knight. Right. Which is correct <laughs> yeah really glad he fought for that yeah and so he took another pass at it and the compromise is very skinny actors with prosthetics instead of suits plus foot high stilts and diapers holding motorized tails and they, <laughs> they said it made funny servo noises when they moved because of the tails. <laughs> that's incredible masters said i wanted the look of the demons to be these really emaciated and dried up creatures that looked like they had been lying around in the desert for eons from the Mm. time that i had the initial conversation with gill about the project to the time that they began shooting 
That was about a month or a month and a half, which meant that we had to work fast, and oftentimes we were working on the fly to always stay a step ahead of production. And because our budget was tight and the build on Demon Knight was ambitious, some of the guys from our crew ended up playing the demons in the film. We were planning on using leg extensions for the creatures, and since they were going to be around this stuff a lot and understood the mechanics, it just made sense. So they practiced a lot too, which is why the demons end up looking so cool. They don't look like guys trying to run around in suits. Yeah. I also love the rings on the face mm. and like, you know, the little jewelry that they it's have. It's a lot going. of fun. I, I yeah. Dickerson, he he thinks that the orcs from Lord of the Rings are, are sort of borrowing from uh, from the demons in this movie. Who could I can, say? Yeah, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, I could see that being a possibility. It's funny that they borrowed the punch through the head from Dead Alive. And now uh-huh. <laughs> and <then> yeah, <laughs> what's good for the goose is good for the gander, they say. For sure, yeah. <laughs> Masters also said that the collector was originally conceived as a, a flame demon, but this is before mm-hmm. the proper CGI technology existed, so they had to scrap that idea. I think he ended up being a way more effective villain in human form than he would have been had he looked purely demonic, because you can get a lot of humor out of that human presentation, and I think that allowed Billy much more room to play around, too. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. And also, just the reveal at the end when he's destroyed and yeah. his true form shows, it's Ooh. it's really freaky, and yeah, yeah it's, it's incredible. It's yeah. It, it kind of takes you by surprise. You're like, I've, I, yeah. I think I've gotten all the surprise out of this movie at this point. It's right at the end. And then, boom, Ugh. giant demon erupt. <laughs> giant demon on fire. <laughs> <laughs> they had a shooting schedule of 40 days. And so what they did was instead of 40 night shoots, which they felt would be bad for the crew, mm-hmm. was they got an airport hangar at the Van Nuys Airport. And they built the hotel and landscape inside the hangar covered it in black, and then shot inside. Basically, they mm. had their own studio there. That's awesome. And they loved having that complete control, but the one issue was the pigeons that roosted there, and they said that what they had to do was like shoot blanks to scare them into silence, <laughs> and they had like <laughs> five minutes to get it taken before they were back and like gobbling <laughs> in the rafters. <laughs> Oh man, <laughs> that's a that's that's called working around your challenges. Yeah, <laughs> imagine if that was your job, just having to shoot a fake gun to scare pigeons for five minutes every couple of minutes. <laughs> I've done worse. <laughs> yeah, I've I've had much worse jobs. <laughs> Dickerson said it had about a $10 million budget, which is not that bad for the kind of horror movie like this, especially Mm -hmm. in 1994 dollars. And Demon Knight debuted at number three in its opening weekend of January's Friday the 13th, 1995. Mm. Mm, Indeed. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And it uh, made 21 million during its theatrical run. So a success, even if critics were mixed on it. Mm. Let's get into the movie. First things first, they do start with the intro from the show, mm-hmm. a miniature exterior of the mansion to a full-size set as they zoom through to the sounds of the classic Danny Elfman theme. Boy, that's good. Mm, really great. It's it's so funny, too, because most TV shows coming to movie format, this would kind of be seen as lazy, mm-hmm. where you're kind of just like taking the exact same intro there's nothing even like souped up about it but it's such a great intro right and it already is like so theatrical that it's just it's so welcome that's a classic if it ain't broke don't fix it situation yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) we also get this fake out with a hot lady being like i killed my husband so he can Uh, steal his money (laughs) i love it so much i i love when a movie opens with a fake horror movie being shot that sure. that's the body double style body double yeah exactly it, it it's so like i don't know they they seem to really put on like all the bells and whistles for it too and then yeah. the john larroquette reveal oh so uh, funny. i love it <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i mean the effects look great the effects guy said that making this like dissolving body was really hard and i believe yeah. it because it's goopy as hell mm-hmm. it also is funny to me that this is like basically a full hyper compressed episode in the two minutes that we've seen you get the whole concept and arc and i mean it's just like the most effective storytelling i've seen in a really long time yeah this was actually directed by gil adler not dickerson but part of yeah but part of what makes the movie interesting is that since there isn't a typical tales from the crypt comeuppance at the end of the Mm -hmm. movie proper I think it's nice to kind of get one squeezed in here. <laughs> like, you yeah. get a, a regular Tales from the Crypt episode up top, and then you say, all right, 
I'm ready to go for whatever you got next. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I didn't even think about that. And it does, the opening does, I mean, like, Tales from the Demon Knight kind of has some of the humor of Tales from the Crypt, but this felt like a real presentation of mm-hmm. that humor. Definitely. But I, I'm also, I, I'm also kind of, it does feel like it's a little edited. Like, it kind of gets into Demon Knight very quickly. Mm-hmm. But I kind of I kind of appreciate that, though, because I think sure. it's like it's like, all right, we're here go. for Demon Knight. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for you, Crypt Keeper. You're finally getting your shot at Hollywood. That's but, right. You know, let, let's see the goods, you know. That's right. And and yeah. he, he screams cut. We got to get our intro from uh, the cadaver with the Savoir Faire. Mm-hmm. The Crypt Keeper emerges from behind the camera. It turns out he's gone to Hollywood in a major way. So uh, frights camera action. And him waddling out from behind the camera is very funny to me. <laughs> oh, my God. I think I honestly, I think what, when I watch this movie as like a 10 year old, that was maybe the scariest thing in the world to me. <laughs> <laughs> it felt to me like in um, the Muppet movie when you see Kermit mm-hmm. walking. <laughs> this was my Kermit. Yeah. Walking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they said that the actor had a green sock on his head so that they could put the Crypt Keeper in there. But the special mm. effects guy said that the body is the dang Hamburglar. What? Yeah, that the guy who played the Hamburglar for the McDonald's commercials. Oh, my God. That, that's him under the sock. <laughs> so Get he played the Crypt Keeper. Wow. Yeah. Now that's a crossover. There wasn't any kind of Scooby-Doo reveal on set. Where <laughs> it's the Hamburglar. Oh, my God. Crafty's <laughs> been looking for you. <laughs> But we do get into the into Demon Knight proper. Breaker is being pursued by the Collector as they drive along a dark and winding road. But old Breaker runs out of gas, so he swerves over and starts shooting at Zane's car, which erupts into flames and then still T-bones him in a giant explosion. What an opening. <laughs> it's all scored by Hey Man, Nice Shot by Filter, Ooh. which is Ooh. like... What a what a song, you know. I yeah. I feel like that song was in like half of all action movie trailers <laughs> of the 90s. And... For them to have that song in the movie, huge. Huge. Yeah. You get pumped up. Totally. He did make it out, though. Scrambles for the passenger side. But when he looks at his hand, it's marked with some glowing stars and one fades out with a roar. This is also when the list of executive producers rolls in the opening credits. Mm. It is quite a list of names. Mm. You got Richard Donner, Mm. David Giller, and Walter Hill, who are big names in the Alien franchise, among many others. Joel Silver and Robert Zemeckis. And Joel Silver, you know, obviously, he pro- well, not obviously, he produced Predator 1 and 2, Matrix 1 and 2, the Lethal Weapon movies and more. But what really shocked me to learn is that he is also one of the three inventors of Ultimate Frisbee. Oh, yeah. I think I knew that. I think I read that somewhere once. That Yeah, that is uh, what, a, what a life. <laughs> <laughs> what a life he lived. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a success twice over. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> also, supposedly one of the inspirations for the Les Grossman character in uh, Tropic Thunder. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, which I hear is coming back. That character. Oh, we all, we all, we all love that character so much. So yeah, and <laughs> so he had to come back. The, it's definitely the time and place for. <laughs> A comedy movie about that guy to come back. Yeah, I love striking while the iron is ice cold. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The collector seems to have miraculously survived the crash as well. I love his little airbags. Gotta love them. Uh Tosses up there. (laughs) There's that humor. (laughs) Yeah. But our other guy, Breaker, although he goes unnamed for a while, certainly does seem sketchy as he tells the police there because he fails to steal a car and he flees into the night. Yeah. He does meet Uncle Willie, who offers him a drink and takes him to a boarding house. Used to be a church, but shut down from lack of interest. And he he checks his hand again, and it's down to one glowing star. Mm -hmm. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Uh-oh, he's right. (laughs) Inside is Cordelia, a working girl. Jerry Lynn, who is on work release from her prison sentence for stealing, who she's doing a bunch of odd jobs. And Irene, who runs the joint. She says she never rents short term or to strangers until he pulls out a fat stack of cash and she agrees to make an exception for Mr. Smith. (laughs) There is some kind of like electricity between Gerilyn and Mr. Smith as they size each other up. I also really love this crane shot as the camera rises with them as they climb up the stairs. Mm -hmm. I think that because... 
Dickerson was a DP that yeah. he's able to sort of speak the language and communicate what he wants really effectively. And so right. there are a lot of really great shots that kind of get overlooked when people talk about this movie. Yeah, totally. I think it's also like kind of setting the stage for like, he's. it's almost like he's communicating the fact that like, yes, most of this movie is going to take place in this location, but we're going to like, you know, yeah, you're it's in good not hands. Just, yeah, you're in good <laughs> hands. Yeah, exactly. So. There's also Wally Enfield, who just got fired for misplacing a bunch of mail. He has a big-time crush on Cordelia, and she definitely likes him, too. Even debates giving him a freebie for a consolation about his job. (laughs) (laughs) If only. God, could have prevented a lot of death, but, well, yeah. (laughs) Bakish said she liked this character a lot because, quote, I never saw Cordelia as a whore. She was always damaged and a little sad and pathetic, too, but there was a lot going on with her that wasn't written out on the page, and that intrigued me. You don't see that too often. She Mm. had some very interesting character dynamics, especially with Roach and Wally, and I liked the fact that despite all her flaws, she still had this sweet personality to her. And I agree. I think that it is an interesting character. This... It's kind of like a stock archetype, but done in a much more interesting way that she does feel a little more fleshed out. Yeah, I I agree. I think, yeah, she did a great job. Yeah, Yeah, totally. The cops have taken in Billy Zane, who says Mr. Smith is a thief. And they get a call about the attempted vehicle theft. So, uh uh-oh, he's on the trail again. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, quote-unquote, Mr. Smith is chowing down on mushroom soup and ketchup. (laughs) That was mushroom soup? That's mushroom soup, he said. Oh, my God. I didn't even catch it. I I never knew what that was, (laughs) ever. (laughs) Uh, That was in the commentary, because the the guy specifically asked. He was like, what is that? And he was like, yeah, it's mushroom soup, which is Um, really disgusting. (laughs) That's... That's worse than what I thought it was going to be. I Wow. He said. Horrifying. Yeah, I, I agree. It is really viscerally gross. <laughs> and then him putting ketchup in it, too. It's like, what the fuck is going on? Dickerson said that even though it is funny, it also was supposed to like age him and say that, oh, he's from a time where food needed that flavor cover and he just got used to it. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Whatever you say, Dickerson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> Food needed that flavor cover. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we also got one of my favorite gags in the whole movie when the cat, Cleo, jumps up on the table and Cordelia is like, I'll take care of dessert. And Irene says, get that pussy off the table. Uh, and Cordelia jumps up looking guilty. So Irene says, I meant the cat. <laughs> incredible. Very, very funny. <laughs> just great delivery all around. Very, just great stuff. And Roach arrives, and he takes Cordelia right upstairs while while he mopes from the library. And again, very funny. Their little exchange about, like, edible underwear. And he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I want to find pieces of panty in my salad. (laughs) She's like, wow, you're so dirty, Roach. But suddenly the police burst in with Billy Zane in tow, and they try to arrest Mr. Smith. Uh, He grabs Geraldine and holds her at knife point. But the collector encourages them, saying he won't do it. And true enough, he can't, throwing down the knife as they walk closer. God, I just, like, I love how it, like, really just gets going. You know, like, we meet everybody. We know what everybody's deal is. And then it's just like, let's go. And then, right. and then like, in a lesser movie, you know, the cops would take Breaker in. And, and there'd be some killings, but nobody would know what's going on. But this is just, like, they know what we want. I just, yeah, yeah it's so great. Yeah, they kind of trust us to be along for the ride and not yeah. need to have it stretched out in a way that uh, gets you going like, well, I'm here to see this <laughs> right, confrontation, yeah. the assault on Precinct 13 of it all. Yes, of course. Yeah. And they say, well, 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 Mr. Breaker, not Mr. Smith. Cece's reaction is so great when she's like, I can't believe it. He told me it was Smith. <laughs> like, oh, wow, you really bought it. <laughs> They search for Billy Zane's, quote, stolen piece of antiquity, but he doesn't have it on him. And Bob, the policeman, doesn't find anything in his room either. But he does drag Cordelia and Roach down to the lobby as well, interrupting their tune up and lube job, as he puts Mm. it, uh, considering the car battery involvement. I mean, who among us has never, (laughs) you know, (laughs) that's called making love. (laughs) That's a Tuesday night. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, according to the computer, Frank Breaker died over five years ago. Mm. Whoa. <laughs> That's, yeah. 
Doesn't add up. Doesn't from, add yeah. up. <laughs> <laughs> and so Uncle Willie snitches on where Breaker stashed the MacGuffin key. And um, I think it's, of course, interesting that and that right away the collector can't touch it and you see him kind of getting everyone to put it into the box and everything. Yeah. But things take a turn when they say, hey, your car was stolen, too, so you're coming to the station as well. And he doesn't want to, so he quickly punches through the sheriff's face. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, a cab, right? You know, yeah. <laughs> we can't get mad about it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> God, just. Oh, what a punch. Yeah. So incredible. And then punching Breaker with the head in the. uh, uh, It being stuck on his hand is uh, so funny to me. He has to like go down and like rip it off. Yeah. Uh. (laughs) I also really loved, again, CCH Pounder's like spit take here Mm -hmm. when he does. (laughs) (laughs) A full on spit take. It's really great. It's very real. Breaker frees himself, and he gets the key, which burns the collector's face, and he flees out the window in pain, disgust, and anger, and this moment was actually an idea from Sadler, who didn't get as much credit for improvising, but he did, he had a few bits here and there, and he pointed it out to why he loved working on this movie and with Dickerson, who was willing to let all his actors find sort of new ways to approach their performances, saying, quote, Ernest was always looking for these moments that would bring out the humor in the story, but he was also very collaborative and would be open to anything you wanted to do with a scene or with your character, which really gets your juices flowing as an actor. And I think that's part of why this is such a great cast is because they all felt supported in that way and are bringing a lot to it. You know, it's not just Billy Zane who's giving it his all. Yeah, totally. The collector condemns the property and using a very gross coke nail. (laughs) the green blood gets tossed around him on the dirt and the demon birth begins Mm. really great stuff the green blood was just glow stick material and they said you could only get it from glow sticks so they spent literal days just cutting them up and draining them oh my god that sounds worse than the shooting for the pigeons (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it was all worth it in the end you know (laughs) sure 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 And Masters said that this was a nod to Ray Harryhausen. Both Ernest and I were big fans of his, and because we couldn't do this elaborate setup for the scene the way it was originally written, we really had to find a few tricks on how to pull all that off on the budget. I think these scenes may have been the final ones we shot, too, because I remember working with the second unit that day, and first unit had already finished up. We were under a lot of pressure to make sure we got it right and got it done in time. But... It does. It looks cool. They're gross. I like the collector's little kiss on the back of the head for the one guy. Oh, my God. (laughs) I fall in love with Billy Zane more and more as the film progresses. And that that really, that kind of, at that point, I'm already, like, enamored with this man. And now it's like, I'm I'm with him till the end on this. (laughs) He did it. He did it. He really did it. Yeah. They attack the boarding house, but Breaker fends them off with some bullets to the eyes, and that releases their tortured souls. Mm. It's funny to me that Dickerson's explanation for this boils down to, I thought it looked cool. (laughs) I'm like, no more explanation needed, my man. Yeah, definitely not. (laughs) (laughs) I also like how some of them, like, they kind of just... Or there's that one that kind of just like stands there when like you know and like almost like is taunting to yeah. get shot in the eyes. Incredible stuff. Sometimes yeah. you gotta strut your stuff like that. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> You're a demon, you know. <laughs> Breaker pours some blood from the key at the thresholds, which creates a barrier. And Roach and Cordelia make a run for his car, but the demons are waiting and attack. And it's only thanks to Wally that they're saved. Although he mm. takes a soul blast to the chest in the scuffle. Mm. Terrible. Terrible. Poor Wally. (laughs) Poor Wally. Breaker explains the situation to the gang, and Roach wants to throw him to the wolves, or demons, I guess. And and Breaker says it won't matter, so we have to stick together. We also find out that Cleo the Cat is still out there, which is sad. (laughs) (laughs) Another really great shot, though, when we get the stained glass cross tied together with some Dutch angles, and it's like cutting back and forth, and that can only mean one thing. It's flashback time, baby. I do I do like these flashbacks. I think they're very well done. They're fun, they're short, yeah. which is key. Yeah, they're very stylistic. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, very good job. And we see the crucifixion, the crucifixion, mm-hmm. and a thief named Serac tries to give the key to a demon, but it gets struck by lightning. And for this scene, they brought in truckloads of quote unquote dirt from a pig farm. 
and oh they God. were like they were like bragging about what a great deal they got. And then when it <laughs> arrived, it was half pig shit. <laughs> so everybody refused to work in the hangar because it smelled terrible. And then the health yeah. department shut it down. Oh and so they God. had to shovel it all out and get clean dirt after all that. Oh, geez. <laughs> you got to measure twice, cut once. Yeah. <laughs> Can't cut corners in this biz. <laughs> <laughs> Geraldine almost gets her head blown off, shocking Breaker out of this, and he apologizes for holding her hostage, but she says that they're cool, that she had a feeling about him, knew he wouldn't do anything. And when Irene pulls out a shotgun she had stashed, while Cleo appears in the kitchen, she did survive, actually, and she leads Breaker and Geraldine to chase it because he wants to check if it's possessed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cleo isn't possessed, but leads them to a hidden exit into the mines downstairs. Mm. Roach is stirring the pot upstairs, though. He wants to get the key and give it to the demons. Plus, he slaps Cordelia for calling him an asshole and getting friendly with Wally. Starting to not like this guy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> he had us. I, he was relatable with the battery stuff, and now I he's know. losing. Us. And the minimum wage, you know. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> and she cries upstairs, and suddenly the collector's voice is seducing her with talk of love. I really love these effects here as he's outside, but you can see the movements impacting her, like mm-hmm. wiping a tear and touching her lip. He's like, let me in. Yeah. Just let him in. It's Billy Zane. Come on. <laughs> if you're cold, they're cold. Let him yeah. in. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to your friend Billy Zane. You know, <laughs> Good thing that Owen Wilson wasn't there, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wally goes to check on her, and she seems out of it, but she comes on to him, and they start to smooch, and in the the behind-the-scenes doc, Cordelia says that he asked her to make sure that she didn't use any tongue so his wife wouldn't get upset. I I did hear this. That's uh, that's a good wife guy right there. Yeah, it's it's cute. (laughs) It's pretty cute. Yeah. (laughs) The gang wants to make a run through the tunnel, but Breaker says it's too risky, and they all protest but are interrupted by screams from upstairs, and they go to check. Cordelia has been possessed attacking Wally. This scene is really great. The demon yeah. looks incredible, rips off Irene's arm uh. as she tries to stop it. And the head freaking explodes when oh Breaker shoots it with the shotgun from behind. In slow motion. <laughs> and then they have to get the eyes separate. That's a nice touch at the end That's, there. Yeah, I really thought the eyes were going to like crawl across the floor or yes, something. Dude, yeah. I, I really thought it was going to go full evil dead with the hand. Yeah. And it was going to... Uh, <laughs> But it still works. It still explodes in a flash of green light. Very cool stuff. And this is actually the toned down version because one of the producer's wives got mad when they were going to have Cordelia's mouth become like a vertical slit with gruesome teeth to conjure a feeling of a vagina and keep in touch with like the prostitution and everything. Oh, my God. And um, they said, you can't do that, actually. (laughs) Goddamn producer's wife. (laughs) This is the reverse wife guy. Yeah. (laughs) The opposite of Charles. And Roach tries to take the key, but Breaker holds him off, so he goes for the mines instead. And the hammering brings Breaker back to the crucifixion again, where the blood of Christ is being collected after Serox sees it turn the burn the demon who wanted the key in the first place. Mm. Roach sends on Uncle Willie in first, which you're like, come on, man. <laughs> no, don't do that. <laughs> uh, Geraldine goes in too, and she finds the little kid who squealed about the car down there. And his parents were possessed, and they attack. And apparently there was like 15 more minutes here that he reluctantly cut. for. I think it is to the movie's benefit. I would like to see it removed from the context of it, but... It was about the parents, or...? He goes in, there's like a big attack, and he like, uh, the Roach argues with the dad about like the minimum wage for like a while, apparently. Oh my God. Yeah. And they said that <laughs> it like really kind of fucked with the pacing, and we were too much with Roach instead of with Breaker for those parts. Yeah. So uh, I think it does make sense to get rid of it. Although, if they shot it, I mean, I, I would like to see it just sort of yeah. <laughs> removed. I mean, why not? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they managed to retreat to the seal, but Roach's petty shooting breaks it. And they have to run, but now they've lost the ground floor and have to hang out upstairs. I love they apologize for dragging Irene up the stairs, and she's like, so okay, the vodka's kicking in. Right, yeah. <laughs> we got another flashback, this time to World War One. A soldier named Dickerson 
There uh, we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> He's dying in the trenches, and he collects some of his own blood in the key, then hands it to Breaker, who absorbs the memory, and the seven Hebrew stars glow on his palm, then fade to tattoos. I want to see this World War One movie. I feel yeah. like if this movie was a bigger hit, and it like spawned, and this story in particular spawned a franchise, I would like to see this like World War One Demon Knight movie. I think that yeah. would be pretty awesome. I agree. Yeah, let's see it. HBO, let's, come on. <laughs> they're they're famously signing new stuff, is what they're yeah. doing right now. So. Well, we, you know, you could say something about brand recognition with this. True. I don't know. Get Mary True. Lambert to direct it. You know, go. <laughs> it's all coming back. Baby. It's all coming back. Yeah. <laughs> He says they need the seven people for their ritual or whatever, and he opens up about the history, starting with Genesis. Strap in. (laughs) (laughs) He says the darkness was full of demons who had seven keys and focused the power of the cosmos until God said, let there be light and scattered the demons and the keys. Unfortunately, they're back and have six of them. And if they get the seventh, they're bringing back the darkness. Uh, I guess you could say this story keeps them hanging on. (laughs) Got it. Nailed it. (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) That's blasphemous. I gotta go. (laughs) Roach picks Breaker's pocket of the key, and when Geraldine is looking for the kid named Danny who went missing, she finds herself in a studio with photos of her around the world and the voice of the collector trying to pull her to the dark side. A few things about this. First off, one of the other things that got cut for time was a little bit more of like her talking about wanting to travel and feeling trapped in the town, mm-hmm. which is kind of why he was like, oh, look at you in Paris and all all these other places. I feel like you, you get it, though. Exactly. Like, exactly. Know, it's, it's not necessary. This is not a great place for a, a- a 20 year old woman (laughs) (laughs) totally for the movie's benefit i also always love the like hands pressing through the wall effect oh my god being good and the blood dripping down the face yeah oh yeah cries blood that collector he really knows how to set design for (laughs) his little fantasy or you know projection stuff he's he's got a flair for the dramatic and you must respect it Should have just gotten into music video directing, you know, at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would have been a lot easier than chasing uh, down these guys. Yeah. <laughs> the picture or photo falls to reveal a bunch of demons eating Breaker, and she backs up right into the collector. But when he continues to try and buy her soul and cooperation, she spits in his face, and he says, you don't trust me. That's okay. We'll work on that. Mm, foreshadowing, too. Oh, ominous. 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 <laughs> They find Uncle Willie and Danny up in the steeple, drinking and reading tales from the Crypt comics. And Irene sends Uncle Willie looking for Breaker, but he gets brought into a vision from the Collector where he's at a party with a bunch of topless women and gets suckered into drinking the Collector's bottle of Long Hard One. Nothing gets you fucked up fast. Oh my god. When watching this movie as a ten-year-old... <laughs> Oh boy, that scene. <laughs> It'll leave an impact on you. A lot of I, I I must have broken that rewind button <laughs> watching that scene. <laughs> VHS is worn out. And you're like, oh, oh yeah. I don't know how that happened. I had no idea. <laughs> I really like when it cuts to Danny in reality and he's like, uh, Uncle Willie, and Uncle Willie yeah. is just like hanging <laughs> out, standing there. <laughs> Irene and Deputy Bob are looking for supplies in Wally's room and find one, the missing mail, which he was reading, and Mm -hmm. two, a shitload of guns without ammo, though, and a bunch of grenades, because as you mentioned, he was going to shoot up the post office in Cordelia's honor. Yeah. And, uh,. It's incredible, this this other seduction attempt, when the collector tries to get Irene with replacing her arm, although mm-hmm. he offers it up like a waiter, and uh, and she holds up her stump and says that's her giving him the finger. I, I loved it. That's <laughs> incredible. <laughs> you, you gotta laugh. And she delivers it so perfectly. Mm-hmm, God. Mm-hmm. The possessed Uncle Willie attacks Breaker, and Geraldine tries to stop him, but can't bring herself to stab Uncle Willie, so he slaps her away with demon strength. But it's enough of a distraction for Breaker to grab a machete and lop Willie's head right off. Mm. Uh, sort of a circumcision in that way. <laughs> Mazel tov. <yeah. laughs> <laughs> and then we finally get our little Evil Dead moment. You know, That's right. The, yeah. It doesn't stop him because they didn't destroy the eyes. Uh-huh. 
Uh, it's, it is funny with the body attacking Solo, and then when it like can't see when he covers yeah. the head there. But uh, you can't just cover the eyes. You got to destroy him. So he grabs the head, and he impales it on a trophy buck. Uh, Good stuff. Really great. Creative work, guys. <laughs> That's right. And while they deal with this, Roach is making his deal with the Collector. He doesn't care if he kills the others. If it makes you feel good, do it, he says. First things first, though, he has to clear the blood seal. Truly amazing unrolling the sponge from his mouth. Billy. Yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah. Even Sadler he, he, said, it's classic Billy. He should have done it in every movie. Do <laughs> <laughs> you imagine if, thing. if he did that as the Phantom? If <laughs> he had a sponge come out? That would have been great. <laughs> That was something that he just came up with in the moment, and uh, and it's really great. They said he had he had props people racing around trying to find a sponge for him. Oh, man. <laughs> and, of course, the Collector lied, and Roach is torn asunder while Zane starts giddily looking for the rest. I love that Roach doesn't get, like, a bullshit redemption. He's just a scumbag throughout. Uh, Roach. Yeah, it's in the name. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> they also had a literal fire extinguisher uh, of blood that shot 10 gallons of the stuff. And it was funny listening to the special effects guy be like, you know, you build all these amazing puppets and everything, but you shoot some blood and that's what everyone on set claps oh, for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly he's arrowed through the head and the gang is in motion up to the steeple. Irene stays behind with Deputy Bob to use the grenade suicide vest. I'm not totally sure why Bob also stayed behind. <laughs> You know, I think he just kind of, he made his peace with yeah, his I life. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I built up this whole narrative in my head that, you know, he. <laughs> sure. Hey, yeah. I think maybe he just had to hold Irene up vertically because she was so yeah. drunk. I think there was vodka. something happening between those two, mm. honestly. I don't know. That embrace at the end. I mean, sure. yeah, it could have been just like, you know, we're, we're going to die. So we may as well. But I don't know. There was Who something knows? there. Who there was knows? something there. Yeah. Danny is reading his comics again, and a panel suddenly looks at him, which is fun. (laughs) Incredible. It is. It really is. Breaker is talking about how they're running out of Jesus blood, and instead of pouring it at the threshold, he pours it on Geraldine's hand where it glows, and she makes the barrier instead. This is it. She's the chosen one, he says. Mm -hmm. He was here to give her the key. But now Danny's possessed, and he wants the key. First off, looks amazing. Second off, the comic now reflecting what's happening as it flips through. Come on, that's so great. I feel like they do that gag in a lot of movies, but the comic, it always feels like it was like a rushed thing. Mm-hmm. And like the, the animation is not that great. This felt like a real like EC comics, a couple of panels there. Yeah, and sure. Yes, I they always that. hit those vignettes, you know, even Creepshow, which is sort of aping the, the EC style, mm-hmm. hits that as well. And, and they do a really great job with it, especially because. It's sort of like diegetic, like it's in the yeah. uh, the movie instead of having to be like an external effect coming across the screen. So it is really cool. Yeah. The Danny's uh, demon uses his tongue to bury into Breaker's chest, which looks really awesome as well. Yeah. And they fight over the key and Geraldine kicks him through the window. She just barricaded, which explodes uh, him. <laughs> that I uh, do you think do you think that kid like had a good time in high school? Like after <laughs> making that movie, I I would imagine. I mean, He's I know. The king. This movie, I mean, I know this movie isn't that popular, but still, like, those people who know Demon Knight, I bet they'd be like... Yeah. Oh, he was definitely, like, showing people. Oh, yeah. Look look at this crazy-ass movie I made. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Breaker does die, but not before transferring the key and power to Geraldine. And the collector comes up to collect, and he approaches Geraldine, but it's not her blood, asshole. And she burns him by grabbing him with the blood of Jesus-soaked hand, revealing herself as the new keeper of the key. I love this funny little dive out of the hole that he does. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But she pursues him, and he uses the shower curtain to grab her and forcibly clean her. She manages to stab him in the eye with the key, but he just laughs it off. I love it. He's like, that only works on lower-level demons, idiot. She does also manage to swig a mouthful of the blood before he dumps it down the drain. He drags her away. The bouncing down the stairs really (laughs) looks painful. Yeah. And he tries to get her to come over to the dark side. He says no demon has ever brought over a demon knight, in one piece anyway. Mm -hmm. And this attempted seduction continues, but she has to stay quiet because of the blood in her mouth. So he gets madder and madder until he's about to kill her. 
and she spits in his face again, only this time it's not just insulting. The blood fucks up his how day. Does he, how does he not notice, though, <laughs> that she's holding uh, a, <laughs> like a, a crazy amount of liquid in her mouth? I mean, I know that he's like he's making this big speech. He's probably like he's probably in the zone delivering the <laughs> speech, and like you know, so he doesn't even like register this. But it, yeah, you know, he's, what? Also, okay. he's also a demon. Maybe he doesn't even know what uh, he's like. Maybe that's just what humans look like sometimes. Right? Yeah, when they're scared, <laughs> when they're getting really scared, they're, yeah, they're, they're they puff out their up. cheeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's all right. I yeah, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> He melts like the guy from RoboCop and then ignites into a skeleton with horns and wings Ugh. and explodes. Fucking rules. I also love that like something falls from him that looks like shit. It looks mm. like literal shit falling yeah. on the it ground. It sure does. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Incredible. This whole seduction scene was a reshoot, actually. Right. Dickerson said, quote, the scene in the finale between Geraldine and the collector where he tries to seduce her wasn't originally in the film, and it's something I've always felt just sticks out a little bit from the rest of the movie. But it mm. came about because someone at a test screening asked, why didn't the devil try to fuck Jada? And one of the film's producers <laughs> just got really hung up on that idea, so we came up with the disco seduction scene. But we really tried to make it as fun as we could while still being respectful of Jada and her character, too. Billy understood the dynamic that the scene needed, and he knew the collector wasn't a character motivated by sex either. So he tried to make it more about his sexualized attempt to collect her soul more than trying to actually be intimate with her. And together, we all worked out how they were going to do it and made the best of it. And in the end, the scene ended up being a lot of fun, but that's due to both Billy and Jada more than anything else. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It does feel like they're really making the most of it. <laughs> yeah. Really putting on a show, all the stops. Mm -hmm. yeah. The sun finally pokes through the cloud and Geraldine wakes up. The blood saved her and, and she survived the explosion. And the key is intact and she refills it from the corpse of Breaker before getting on a bus, but not before putting a barrier at the door just in case. And she was right to do it because there's a new collector waiting at there's the very next guy. stop. Yeah, just as sexy. If oh, not yeah. more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a thick mustache. <laughs> and he says he'll wait for the next one. And it's a really great ending as he walks in the same direction as the bus drives off while whistling the tales from the crypt theme song. And the pursuit begins anew. Yeah. At a nearby graveyard, a hand emerges and grabs a scar nation. That's right. It's our <laughs> pal, the Crypt Keeper, here to wrap things up. He says Geraldine is traveling the world, but tonight is the big scrimmier. And when he goes up to the red carpet, he gets final cut by a guillotine. I love these these very movie production specific jokes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's so funny when you're like you're like. Why the producers are are who they're doing? Yeah, as like yeah. especially as a kid watching these movies, that you're just like, okay, yeah, if right. you say so, you know, <laughs> take your word for it. Yeah, <laughs> it actually was the uh, producers there, Gil Adler and Alan Katz, were oh, the two yeah. guys uh, on either side of the guillotine, and he says, "Now that's entertainment." And cackles, credits over the camera, pulling back through the mansion. Yeah, Woo! and they're also at the Westwood Theater in that final scene, which is uh. I, I, w I went there uh, last year to see Licorice Pizza. Ooh. It's a nice theater. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I mean, it looks nice from the exterior, so I yeah. believe it. Yeah. There are a couple mildly amusing credits, actually. Mona is credited as their optical printer, and they said it literally was their printer. <laughs> 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 they also credited the FX Studios secretary's dog, Rocket the Dog, although no mm. credit for Cleo, which I thought was interesting. Oh, wow. Yeah. Maybe she didn't want it. <laughs> she, I mean, she, she want yeah she she's like don't put my name on that yeah she went alan smithy on it <laughs> <laughs> we do get a stinger at the very end oh I, there is what yeah there's a funny like looney tunes portal and the keeper pokes his head through and he says still here creeps What's the matter? Didn't get your minimum deadly allowance of murder, mayhem, and madness? Then look for the next one. Dead easy. Coming soon. Which uh, didn't happen. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, man. I had no idea that a stinger. Jeez. Gotta watch through the credits, bro. Oh, man. <laughs> man, you can't release this episode. I can't have people knowing I don't. <laughs> I do really love this, though, because 
there is a lot of Looney Tunes DNA in oh yeah Tales from the Crypt, I think. And sort of having this like literal like portal, like it feels like Porky Pig sticking his head through at the end. And it's just really great stuff. I like it a lot. I think it's a great sort of dismount point for the movie. Yeah. And uh, and leaves you feeling good, baby. I think so. I would totally agree. Yeah. And now, Nick, we've reached the part of the episode where we sum up why it's not just a good horror movie, but is, in fact, the best horror movie ever made. And I'm going to let you start. Okay. Well, this is the best horror movie ever made because not so concerned with being the bloodiest the scariest you know the goriest horror movie i think there's i think there's just a real perfect storm of great actors great writing really fun designs some great thrills and i think it you know and you just love to see the crypt keeper really like uh knock one out of the park you know he's yeah. been presenting he's been presenting all these stories on tv for years and you're like who is this guy really you know yeah. this this corpse <laughs> that presents all these like little one act plays on tv and now he's making his his leap to the big screen there's no way it's going to be any good and in and in fact is a is a great dark roller coaster right it really is to me this is the best horror movie ever made because it is just so fun. And when everybody involved is having fun, that means that they are putting in good work as well. Yeah. And every performance in this, everybody in the crew, it feels like they really loved it. You know, in the commentaries, they talked about how this was like a passion project for a lot of them, that they weren't, you know, breaking the bank <laughs> with, uh, yeah. with their paychecks from Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Mm-hmm. And that means that the people who were there wanted to be there and it totally comes across on screen. You know, it's, it's so fun. I mean, we cannot say enough good stuff about Billy Zane in this movie. No, <laughs> it's, it's just impossible. He, as great as everyone is, he is sort of the load bearing column of this yeah. movie. And, and he really, he does such a great job with it. It's so funny. He is creepy. The effects are incredible and and totally fit the tone exactly. Like you said, it's not trying to be too gory or anything. It is exactly what the movie needs. Yeah. And I love that Dickerson is so distinctly interested in subverting tropes. He kills a kid. He has a black woman final hero. People hang on. He has two black women. Two black black women in in the same movie, which is in the 90s, which is, yeah, yeah, pretty rare. He does such a great job with keeping you guessing the whole time. Even going back through it, you're like, I don't know if I remember the order people go in or whatever. And that is that speaks to the the twists and turns of the movie to me. Yeah. I think that he does a great job along with everyone else. And uh, and he leads it to being the best damn horror movie ever made. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. This was super fun. Oh, this is a, my pleasure. Please yeah. tell the people where they can find you, watch you perform, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Letterboxd as well. Uh, Nick Nanny, N-I-C-K-N-A-N-E-Y. And uh, I perform all over New York City. So, so check them out, folks. Yeah. Uh, as far as my plugs, you can find me at Little Horror PHL. That username applies pretty much everywhere: uh, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd as well. But it also applies to the Patreon. If you're really enjoying the show, you can sign up for the Patreon and get all kinds of great bonus episodes. Especially if you're looking for some other goopy stuff. You know, me and Mike Mitchell recently talked about The Blob 1988, which is an nice. all-timer for for goopy movies. We talked about the 13 best animated horror shorts from 1929 to 1953 with Branson Reese. Wow. Um, truly, anything and everything gets covered over there. Things that don't necessarily fit as solidly into best horror movie ever made, but definitely merit discussion. So check that out and uh, rate and review if you're enjoying the show, but don't feel like paying me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, All right, everyone. Thanks. Bye. Bye.